you know, Jeff, I was reading, uh, where are we? I was reading the, um, the podcast transcript of Stack Overflow Podcast 001, the very first transcript. Oh, yeah? Um, it's sort of interesting. I guess I didn't really remember the original timeline of how things went. But by the time we did the podcast, I guess we already told everybody what we were making. Yes. Podcast ever say six to eight weeks? I'm just looking to see. There's so much famous stuff in this podcast. <laughs> we announced the name. We announced the name Stack Overflow. Halfway through the podcast, you did a survey. And, and Stack Overflow won the survey. Which was yeah, a good I'd name. Have to look at the, I'd have to look at the timeline. This was, uh, so the first podcast was uh, April... 2008. Yeah, so we, we kind of got started in March, from what I remember, because I remember quitting my job at Vertigo in March. Okay. And I had totally forgotten that you had that call with Betsy, because we were all like, oh my god, I'm quitting my job. Maybe we should talk to this Joel guy and see if he's not crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I had, uh, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of good that did. <laughs> yeah. No, it, you know, it, it worked out. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I mean, it's definitely, you know, bittersweet, right? I mean, it's tough to give up something you love, but I mean... We, we created a pretty amazing thing together. So I um, continue to be proud of that for sure. Um, so here's the things that we mentioned in this podcast in April already. Uh, well, actually, let's just, um, let's just play a bit of it. Uh, Q podcast. I'm, I, I, I'm in a different do place. Do we want to tell the people what we're, what we're doing here? Uh, sure, sure. So we're, we're building a website. Um, one of the reasons uh, I wanted to do this was I kept getting a lot of pressure, particularly on my site, uh, I know on Joel's blog he doesn't really have comments, but you have a separate discussion area, right? Um, yeah. I've never really had that. I just have your traditional blog comments, and yeah. those work well, but they don't really scale cool. uh, to yeah. the level that I'm seeing now. Uh, and, and I also want to go in a slightly different direction. They work good, good for like 20 people. Yeah, yeah, it works well until you get to about, I don't know, it, people ask me, it's like, who reads 250 comments? And the answer is, well, I have to read them all. Mm-hmm. Because it's my site, out. and yeah. I, I feel like it's kind of rude if I don't read at least all the comments. But I'm not really sure anyone else does. Uh, so I wanted to harness some of that energy and maybe create some kind of developer community site where, you know, rather than just randomly commenting on things, we could actually build things that are actually useful to people, right? Not that blog comments aren't useful, but um, I think there's... No, I would pretty much go so far as to say the blog comments are not useful. Yeah, I know. I, I, I don't entirely <laughs> agree with that. I mean, I think it's the question of signal to noise. But yeah. That's I, true. I, I certainly think a lot of them are, are pretty useful, and particularly once you throw in sort of a, a rating-type system like DIG, I think that the cream rises to the top pretty rapidly. So what we're trying to get here, I guess I, we could say, is a, is a place where you can ask questions and, uh, about technical programming questions because we're programmers. Uh, you can get answers and then get those answers rated and, 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 and try to have the signal rise to the top and the noise just disappear forever, hopefully. Right. And, and also, I, I liked one of your observations early on, Joel. It's, this is not another place to discuss tabs versus spaces. Right. Because uh, there's a lot of that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no tabs versus spaces. This is, it's kind of amazing to me how much of this stuff was uh, already figured out um, before, we, you know, before we started. Well, you and I had both spent a lot of time really thinking about community yeah. and, and what worked and what didn't. And... I mean, that's why I always was a little uncomfortable with your idea that, you know, the, the leaders at the top don't lead because I felt like you and I had particular insight into this problem yeah. and like ways to solve it. Not that we should do everything. I would never say that. But the reason, part of the reason this worked and people say, oh, it's just because you and Joel had big communities. But, and that's partially true. I mean, that doesn't Not hurt, really, obviously. Yeah. 
That but was like I think one of 10 reasons. One yeah. of the reasons I loved working with you on this is you had a really good idea of, you know, what worked in community and so did I. And putting our heads together on that, we were some of the, I, I dare I say, some of the best people in the world to think about this particular problem. So what, um, this is a question I get every time I talk about Stack, Stack Overflow or Stack Exchange in public. They always say, um, what was the biggest thing that surprised you? Gosh, there were so many things. So many things. Uh, the meta thing is the one I like to harp on because yeah, like that I feel was the like one thing where we did, we designed uh, wrong. Uh, well, that was really me. Like I was making that decision. I mean, because no, I don't I remember take full credit for that wrong decision because um, because I, I, I had written a big blog post where I said, you know, off topic is it, the 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 discussion group itself is off topic. It's not what you want to discuss. Right, so like I, w I was led astray because what would happen on traditional BBSs and discussion forums is new people would arrive every week, and they would say, "Hey, this is a great discussion forum you have going here. Is there any way that we can make it so that when we reply, the text that's quoted is automatically purple?" And people would say that every single every every newbie would say that, and and you had to say, "Well, actually, what we're discussing here is jet air." air Air engine maintenance, not not the software of the site. So shut up, you know it's boring to keep repeating this stuff. So I had a strong meta anti, uh, uh, you know, I had a strong antipathy towards meta questions in general on the site itself as being off topic. Right, and and I think the thing, the key decision there is to learn to embrace it, but in a different area, and and that's kind of been the answer to some of the things we looked at recently too. Stuff that's too much fun. Like, it's just kind of in the wrong place. Like, there's a big push on Stack Overflow. Stack Overflow, one thing that has surprised me is the community has gotten very strict. Like, you and I remember we were like, oh, career questions are explicitly on topic. Yeah. And yeah. when we did that original poll question about, like, okay, what question, what types of questions are on topic, that, that sort of barely made the cut. That was, like, way down low in the voting. It, it was high enough that it was kind of marginally on topic. Right. Uh, but the community has really gotten much stricter than Joel or I really intended. Uh, I don't but know I, if that's a good thing. <laughs> I, well, no, I, I, I kind of embrace this though because I think the community is really right about this stuff. Like, you know, the community isn't right about everything, but um, one of the things I've started to believe in really deeply now is I read this article about uh, LucasArts Habitat, which is a system in 1986 on Commodore 64s. <laughs> it's one uh -huh. of the first sort of massively multiplier, uh, kind of a chat room, really, but they had places yeah. you could go and things you could do. And it's a really great document, and I'll uh, send a link to Alex so you can put it in the show notes. But one of the key decisions that they, they outlined was, like, you cannot send... You cannot do centralized planning. The first thing that breaks down in a system is this idea that you can plan all the interactions that are going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, so what, what, what they found really worked, though, was to watch what the community is doing and build on top of that. Like, like take the clay and shape it. Like, if you see the clay deforming in a certain direction, start to shape it in that direction if you want it to go that way uh, and make it, you know, grow it into something. And I think this is a good example of that where this strictness, I think, is, first of all, is a correct impulse from the community. I think they're, they're protecting themselves. It's, it's a protection mechanism. Um, and it can spring off other sites, too. It's not necessarily destructive. It's like, okay, they can't go here. They can go maybe somewhere else that fits in the network or on a blog, right? That's the current discussion is like this this blog axis of content. Right. Uh, but I think this this principle of designing sort of in harmony with the community and shaping the way that they naturally go, I think is hugely powerful. And I, I kind of wish like, for example, Reddit, like uh, there's a bunch of community phenomenons on Reddit that have emerged, like the IMA uh, uh, questions where you say, I'm a famous, you know, politician, ask me any question you want. Um, yeah. That's awesome. And the community just magically came up with that. So what they should be doing is building the software to accommodate that. Uh, mm -hmm. Another example is elections that we do. We could ghetto up elections by just having a meta question that's kind of like an election. 
But elections right. are a first-class citizen in our software. We want like really good support for the 1% of the year when we need an election. It needs yeah. to be clear, understandable, and baked into the software. Um, because that's something that emerges. Like we have to elect moderators. We didn't set out saying, "Oh, let's elect moderators," or even we didn't even know if we needed moderators, right? <laughs> I think you know. I, I'm pretty sure we launched without comments. That's we did. An example I give. Well, in beta, but that was the Certainly private beta. beta. Yeah. In the yeah. private beta, we realized uh, that was also a huge mistake. Was not allowing the one level of discussion uh, right. because right. people were constantly posting answers that were talking to other people. And we're like, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. But again, <laughs> this was a failure. The users were trying to tell us something. They were like, look, we have to have some way to annotate these answers uh, right. and questions to, to, to have some to commentary about them. Co Chit-chat commentary. And I th I'm pretty sure we fixed that in like a week or two. It wasn't long uh, before we got that. But uh, that was another thing that sort of you can't envision how it's going to be used. And 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 some some pretty big things change after you hit the reality hit you hit people. Yeah, uh, totally. totally. Twitter, uh, Twitter is a great example of that. I think the at and the hash were both invented by the community, and they spread widely, and they finally got support in the software. Yeah, like after way, way too long. Yeah, you can actually reply to somebody, and yeah, yeah I can't, I can't believe the people like you that were using Twitter before it was usable. <laughs> I don't understand. That's yeah. like what, well, it was fundamentally a good idea. You know, it was a very, very simple idea, and it but was it good. So but you're right, better. it's kind of a travesty that it, t it takes them that long to build in special <laughs> support. Another example of something I, I would point out that this, where the software really should adapt to the behavior of the users is the Wikipedia talk page. So for any Wikipedia topic, there's the meta, the page behind the page, which explains the, the controversy or the discussion about like this particular page on Wikipedia. And I've always found that like extremely incomprehensible. Like I, and I realize part of the problem they have is they're shoehorning this governmental process into it's just a wiki page that you edit, right? That's literally all the software that's there. <laughs> so they're shoehorning this entire governmental process oh, into yeah, yeah. a, a very generic process of click, edit this page, and then type stuff in. It's impossible and, to figure out who's saying what. There's no, they don't even, they barely have conventions for time stamping things that you've you've said. Or I mean, it's really a mess. Yeah, it's a really a failure of software, and yeah. and and that's encouraging to someone like me who you know we're, we're software developers is to think like you actually can solve some of these problems with software. And I think, you know, Stack Overflow and Stack Exchange is, is, is a clear example of that. We're trying to build in, you know, processes in the software that help you have a sustainable community versus, you know, the old PHP, BB, or vBulletin method of here's your generic bulletin board software that's been the same since 1999. Now go create a community, right? Like, <laughs> it's not helping you do all the things you need to do. Um, to build a community. I mean, that goes as far as Area 51. It's like, should we even have a community? The software before the software, right? Like, before yeah. you even have a Stack Exchange Q&A software, you have other software <laughs> that helps you decide if you should even if do you this. Make a community. Yep. That, that was sort of a big thing. We'll get to that. I, I have that scheduled for later, so I... Uh... <laughs> we'll come back to that. Uh, we have a whole bunch of little clips uh, from people that recorded uh, uh, messages for you, Jeff. Um, Alex, okay. uh, queue up uh, Jeff Dalgas. So when asked to say something nice about you in the next podcast, I honestly didn't have anything to say that could adequately <laughs> express the right words or the right message. So I decided to hire a band and let them try. Hit it, boys. We built this city. We built this city on Love this drum solo. Hey, so we did it, and it, uh, it hasn't stopped rocking since day one. I'm 
looking back, we put in a lot of hours, and I do it all over again. It's not very often I get to do something like this. And I'm so honored to be part of this, and I still can't believe we get to do this for a job. It's supposed to be work, but I'm having an awesome time. So I thank you for giving me an opportunity to help build this city. So the, the city theme, uh, um, I keep using that because uh, for some reason we have, um, according to Quantcast, 20 million visitors a month. And I can't stop thinking about how that's the same as the size of Seoul, South Korea. So it's, it actually is a city uh, in, in, in many ways. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, I like the analog as well because, you know, what does a city have? It has a system right. of streets. It has a system of government. It has a system police. of police. Yeah. It has firemen. <laughs> Fire hy- you know. hydrants. And yeah, most people city speak, council. Yeah, a lot of people share some things, like they all go on the subway. Uh, but then you have people there that just speak the wrong language. They just arrived, they're speaking the wrong language, and nobody understands them, or they have different cultural conventions. So they get upset because they don't understand the city's cultural conventions and they blow up the subway. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe just one subway station. Yeah, and, and uh, I forgive Jeff Dalgas for subjecting us all to Starship. That's the, the best <laughs> bad song that there. It's a truly bad bad song, but it's it's so bad that it like wraps all the way around and becomes sort of funny. <laughs> it's it's in Rock Band. It's a, it's a fun song to play. And sing. Sure, it's so it's goofy. Not, it's not that bad. We built it's pretty this. bad, <laughs> but uh, in a good way. Well, I mean the the you know the main point about sort of the parentheses of your time in Stack Overflow is really going from. Podca- uh, podcast one where we're just telling people what we plan to do um, and then we did it and it had you know zero people uh, at first and, and now when I go and give a talk about Stack Overflow I always ask the audience to raise their hand if they've ever used Stack Overflow and it's everybody it's like everybody there was sort of a middle middle period there where we went to the mix conference and we said you know have you ever used Stack Overflow and it was probably about a third of the audience then but now it's just 100% it yeah, is this, all this, programmers this analog of Stack Overflow to Wikipedia was always ludicrous to me but yeah in a way it kind of has come true which is you yeah. know that, that that's incredible um and in that's fact actually yeah we have more people typing on our site than english wikipedia does that wouldn't surprise me because someone um that reputation talk where i was uh, meeting with the guy from reddit and presenting about that uh a guy from wikipedia came up to me and said you know we're wikipedia we're kind of worried that sites like stack overflow are going to replace wikipedia which I think is a little crazy. And I, I tried to explain to him, look, our units of work are so much smaller. You know, we're, nobody's going to write the giant article about topic X. I mean, we're doing some work with tag wikis, I guess, and those are going pretty well. But it's more like the bite-sized, fun-sized units of work, and, and Wikipedia is not that. But um, Yeah. I, I mean, it can be because you can edit things a little bit. Wikipedia, I think the biggest problem with Wikipedia is, or, or the biggest reason why we, we even have a site and we're not just a bunch of pages on Wikipedia. I mean, first of all, it's because their software works better for that. But also because they, on Wikipedia, do not deign to write about things that, are, that don't have sufficient notoriety. Like things that they, they consider to be not important enough for a Wikipedia entry. Which is like, you know, they got a great, great entry on platform nine and three quarters at King's Cross Station, which is a fictional thing that appears in one episode of the, the Harry Potter television show. But, uh, or book or whatever it is. What is Harry Potter? But they, but they don't have, uh, you know, they won't have an entry on, you know, kind of major features of the C programming language, which are not well, notorious enough. Also, we would break down topics. One complaint that surprised me was that Wikipedia articles are too big. Like, if you come in with one specific yeah. question, it's just too much work to scroll through, you know, a 20-page 
canonical right. Wikipedia right. article to find we're, that. Yeah, we're one. very happy if, if a page gets 100 page views, you know, as a result of Google searches. And, you know, if we help about half that many people, that's fine. You know, if each of our questions helps 50 people, um, that's, that's the sweet, sweet spot, practically. And, yeah. and we do that all with a surprisingly small number of people, which is, I think, about 65,000 people typing on a given month. And uh, Wikipedia has a lower number. For English Wikipedia, it's only 35,000. And one of the reasons is that they, uh, they make it so much harder. They have this crazy um, you know, system for editing. and um, They have software problems. That easy. That's yeah. what the Wikipedia guy was telling me. It's like they feel like they have software problems. Right. And right. they certainly do. So I don't uh, know. Hopefully they can resolve this. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do think that there is uh, – the, the internet might sort of break down into sort of several big, large territories. And, of course, lots of n nifty little stuff on the edges uh, will never go away. But there there may be sort of a continuum from the uh, Wikipedia-style large questions. And then when they run out of um, specificity, I think you get sort of blogs, which are, are articles on larger topics than even we would tolerate. And then deep down, uh, you get these little individual questions. Um Next up, uh, Kyle Cronin. My first interaction with Jeff was in October 2008 when I discovered that one of my posts on Stack Overflow went missing. It was a simple script that ran through the user ID sequentially, scraped the pages, and put the data in a SQLite database that I posted for download. I noticed it had disappeared a few hours after I posted it, so I emailed Jeff about it. Jeff got back to me and told me that Joel had deleted it with the offensive flag, citing no privacy concerns. Back in 2009, I started a little PHPBB forum to facilitate meta-discussion about Stack Overflow, as such discussion was pretty much forbidden on the site itself, and user voice was pretty bad at it. I remember when Jeff sent me a direct message on Twitter and asked if I wanted to help out with another Stack Overflow-based site for meta-discussion. I was more than happy to, and after several emails exchanged back and forth, meta was born. Stack Exchange is now my home on the internet. It's the first place I go when I wake in the morning. It's the last site I visit before I go to sleep. Jeff, thank you for all your time, dedication, and hard work in building Stack Overflow and Stack Exchange. The company you built and the software you created have made the internet a better place by providing a place for where people like me can get great answers to their questions without having to deal with paywalls or wading through pages of forum threads. Once again, thank you. Congratulations and best of luck with your recent additions to your family. So I don't remember any of that. Thanks. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you got to realize. I mean, there was this transition point where where Joel, you were doing other stuff. I mean, you were involved. I mean, you were helping plan and think about like what it's going to be. I mean, it's not like you weren't doing anything. Um, yeah. But really, Joel, the major inflection point for you is when we said, okay, let's take venture capital. And Joel was hugely right. instrumental in that process, Area 51, all that stuff. Uh, but early on, I mean, it's true, we were just kind of making all these decisions sort of on the fly. And, and and I started to rely more and more on the community for, for making these decisions. And, uh, at, you, you know, you, you've always said, and I continue to agree with this, don't outsource core business functions, right? Well, right. we were, I realized we were outsourcing a core business function of, you know, meta governance to user voice. Um, and and yeah. we, could, we had to stop doing that. We had to own it. We had to move it in-house yeah, on didn't our really own that, platform. That user voice was designed for like twee little startups that had eight users. And it just fell apart completely when you had our, our scale of things pounding on it. Yeah. Yeah. User voice, uh, you know, and I, I still keep in contact with user voice guys. It's just a slightly different use case for... 
I think I had the wrong idea going there. It was like, okay, we just need an outlet for this, it, whatever works. Um, but it's a core business function. I mean, totally it is, right? That's that's the decision, uh, the, the fundamental key decision to make there. Um, yeah, that, that was always, uh, uh, I'm trying to think, there's, there's still some stuff, there's some stuff that we outsourced early on that we later brought in. Actually, kind of a lot of stuff. I mean, we sort of, thinking about all the little open source projects where, um, where we kind of kind of took over or made major contributions to them or rewrote them. Uh, let's see. What else do we, do we did, did he did he mention nothing? Let's go on to uh, 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 something that Josh Josh Hare, who everybody knows of as um, Shog Nine, which it turns out is really Shog to the power of nine. Jeff, you're a dick. <laughs> You deleted one of my first questions just because it was a poll about polls. So meta and a poll. You got on my case about editing just because it wasn't being totally respectful towards the authors. And you forced me to justify changes rather than just blindly coding them up. When I asked for access to the Stack Overflow beta, I figured it'd be a quiet little diversion. A place to answer questions if it worked, and troll a few noobs if it didn't. Four years later, I'm spending my time trying to make sure the new folks take that first path rather than the second, all because of your dickish insistence on useful Q&A. There you go. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, comments? Well, you know, I really like Josh a lot. I mean, I like it. almost everybody I work with. I don't want to play favorites necessarily. But one thing I particularly like about Josh is he really started this journey like at the very beginning. Like I remember Josh being around from like literally day one. And it was cool to see like our policies have yeah. evolved, right, Joel? Like we didn't know the favorite programming no, cartoon we was off topic. That like it that took us years. Lots of people looked at it. So I want to emphasize that like we grew up alongside a lot of our users, you know, figuring out what the hell was going on and like how we do things and why we do things. And Josh is one of the best examples of that because he was pretty rough in the <laughs> beginning. Like I was almost like putting him in the bucket of like the well bogs right now. No offense to well bog, <laughs> but like people that are just sort of you know not really there for serious reasons. They're just there to, to sort of hang yeah, out. Yeah, we used to sort of refer to them stuff. as the people that. Uh, that that um, they get bored with the chess game, and so they start to play the new game, which is throwing the chess pieces around the room. <laughs> like everybody else is playing chess. Yeah, it was and interesting because Josh. So they move on to the next level. Yeah, those are the people we. Right, and and Josh. I'm, I was going to say those are the people we gave them meta for that for that reason. You know, we got to give them deeper levels, and then we gave them Area Fifty One, and then we gave them lots of sites, and we're constantly, and then we give them chat. So we constantly give them more stuff, ways to get more deeply involved. Uh, if you want to be that person, so you don't get bored. Oh, I see what you're saying. The, the focus on, on boredom. Well, it's right? just a, that's interesting. addicted to a particular community. I, I and they run, and if a com community yeah. runs out of things that they can do in that community, not a lot of people, but there's always a hardcore 0.01% of people that just friggin' love the community and they want to get deeply involved. And if given government that they can participate in, there's almost no limit to uh, you know how much enjoyment they can get out of that. If you don't give them that, um, they're just as likely to become destructive where they're like, you know, you know, they become bored with answering the questions and they start trying to test all the rules about what questions are going to be allowed and they troll and they play other disruptive games. Uh, I think that's that's a good way to look at it. And one way to look at meta is like compartmentalizing 
<laughs> I don't view it this way, but I know some people do. Like, put all the crazy <laughs> people in, yeah, in the same room together. Um, that's definitely Michael. Uh, <laughs> yeah. One of, yeah. We I mean, but, but really, you know, <laughs> we put all the but but they're there because they they care though Joel. I think that's the key thing to figure out is yes there are some bad actors in the community and and you should identify those but really not many the people that are there are there because they love your thing like they're hanging out with you because they think you're cool at some level right they wouldn't be there if they had better things to do like if this was right. a waste of their time so I think it's just you know channeling their energy into something that's more constructive like okay well let's actually figure this out you know like rather than just randomly throwing the chess pieces around like how can we make chess more interesting yeah. right next thing. Like, how can we enhance, have more chess, you know, or different games? Maybe we should be playing yeah. checkers. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Chess is boring. Checkers is more my speed. That kind of stuff. Um, rather than just, you know, showing them the door, telling them to go away, which is certainly what we did early on. The, the major mistake. Yeah. Um, and uh, the, the one thing I always remember about uh, Josh is that there was a, there was a, th a discussion thread on, uh, what the heck is it called? Code Project, maybe? Uh, like, the day that we launched. And the yes. thread was like, I don't really see this going anywhere. The user interface is atrocious. The everything is terrible. Blah blah blah. <laughs> it was just... Well, that's like the the, the iPod yeah. slash dot comment. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. Know? Not enough yeah, storage. Just pay that for this thing. You know, lame. Right. There's always naysayers. There's always naysayers. There's just it's yeah. A constant and that was. Uh, but I, I like that one because you know I found it. I could link to it. Uh, having then been successful, I use it for my victory laps. But. Um, but Josh is on that thread saying, no, you know, you guys are wrong. Actually, I think this is kind of uh, pretty interesting. This might might work work pretty well. Uh, yeah. No, Josh was there from like literally day one. That's what I really enjoy about Josh. He, he grew up with us and figuring yeah. this stuff out. Um, the whole, you know, running alongside us argument that I like to use. This is so what we um, to do. running through the history uh, of the site, I guess we started with um, Stack Overflow. We launched... Um, I actually thought that Stack Overflow should definitely include everything that Experts Exchange included because that was part of my goal was to displace them. And I was a little bit discouraged when we were closing questions early on that that were off topic for programming because they were, you know, server configuration questions or system questions or even just PC questions. Um, I'm 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 glad in retrospect I think that we closed them because really those are different communities of people and people with different levels of expertise and. Um, you know, one of the things I learned the most from the experience of Stack Overflow and Stack Exchange is that it's just as important to repel the bad people <laughs> or the newbies or the clueless people. Like you have to get the wrong people off of your site. You have to make them distinctly feel like there is nothing there for them. And you have to actually aggressively chase away the people that are not going to uh, contribute because it's not really their field of expertise. Uh, they're just not going to um, – if you have too many newbies wandering around um, – the regular people leave or ne never join, which is the whole problem with Askville and Yahoo Answers and all those other sites. Um, but um, we didn't ha for for a while there. We didn't have the stack uh, super user and server fault. I can't remember exactly how long it took us to launch them, but um, maybe about a year. It was about a year. If you look at the time, like okay, so Stack Overflow was in beta for at least two months, maybe three. I think it was like September two thousand eight. Um, about a year later, that's when we did uh, right. Server Fault, and then a little bit after that, Super User. So we we did eventually start w branching into those. But again, this is an example of sort of the community develops an immune system of, of like self preservation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I think when the community closes stuff and gets strict, they're trying to protect themselves. I mean, there's a good impulse behind it it's not just because they're jerks and they want everybody to go away they're trying to 
protect what they have and yeah. make sure it survives. Uh, but observing that most of the closed questions fell into one of two categories, right? Like, why was this question closed? Hmm, if you tried to group them, that's what I would do. This is the exercise. Look at all the closed questions and figure out, like, what pattern is there? What questions are being closed that are sort of, like, kind of on topic? Not like, why is right. the sky blue? <laughs> but like, wow, this is a good question right. for a geek but not necessarily for a programmer. And it was clear that like sysadmin was a big one. And then the other one was just a general like, you know, PC enthusiast, you know, uh, right. type questions. So that was the, the original impetus. Um, but that obviously doesn't scale because that's why we came up with Area 51. It's like, well, that was the lo truly the low-hanging fruit of like, these are the most obvious closed questions that we have. Uh, beyond that, it was a little difficult. Like, I left to my own devices. There's no way you know I would ever have launched a gaming site, right? Because I'm a little bit opposed to it as a topic. Yeah. Not to the point that I, I object to the Area 51 process, but left to my own devices editorially, no. There were not was, there was, uh, I'm trying to remember to what the four sites were that, that you thought at the company meeting were the most urgent to launch. Remember we had a company meeting in New York, and there was definitely Facebook. Web apps, web apps, Facebook. Uh, web apps gadgets and I think and webmasters and gadgets. But gadgets was, you know, yeah. as we found too broad. I mean, instead we have Apple, we have Android. That makes a lot we, more um, sense. So, be, but before there was that Area 51 process, there was Stack Exchange 1.0, which I want to introduce. Uh, use to sort of that was that was this idea that oh, we wrote this awesome software. Other people should pay us to use this software and make sites on other topics. And that was what we called Stack Exchange 1.0. And that's when David came in. So Alex, queue up David. The first real interaction that I had with you was back in October of 2009 when I had just taken over the doomed Stack Exchange 1.0 project. I remember meeting with you in person and talking with you several times over Skype, and the one thing that you kept stressing to me was how important it was that we get a blog for Stack Exchange. At the time, I really didn't get it. I was coming from a Fog Creek product background where we kept everything a secret until it was released, and then maybe we blogged about it afterwards. And so I tried to follow that model with the Stack Exchange 1.0 community to their great frustration. After Stack Exchange 1.0 died, I had the chance to work more directly with you as we started building Stack Exchange 2.0. And what I started to realize was that for you, the community wasn't just the customer who consumed our product. The community that you had gathered around these sites was really the center of everything that we were doing. So, looking back over the past couple of years, I think that this is really the biggest lesson I've learned from working with you and from watching you work. It's that the community is the site. Without a group of people who believe in what we're doing, who believe in teaching each other and learning from each other and working together to make the internet better, we really don't have a site. And so that community has to be involved in the evolution of these sites and we have to give them a voice in everything that we're doing. They're not always right. We're not always right either, but we both want the same thing, to make the internet a better place. So I wanted to say thank you for that. You not only taught me the importance of the community and how to work with the community, but you really made it a part of this company's DNA that will continue to guide us as you move on to your next project. So thanks, good luck, and you really will be missed. So, uh, yeah, Stack Exchange 1.0 was also sort of... Um, well, let's say the failure of Stack Exchange 1.0 came from a couple of things. One is we, we realized uh, that our asset was really the community, not the software. And, and now, I mean, there was a, just a question that came up today, which is so we keep getting these emails complaining that somebody has cloned their software. And our, our response is usually, so who cares? Put it on the list of clones of Stack Overflow. It really, doesn't really bother us. I, I think that... Uh, it took us a while to realize that there's just not that much value in software anymore. Part of it was when we were trying to sell Stack Exchange 1.0 software for cash money, and there were open source alternatives that had sprouted up. Not good ones, to be fair, but um, 
but they had sort of sh- spread it up right away. They might have been good enough for what some people were trying to do, and um, and around and that was the same time as we were raising VC. And the biggest questions every investor had for us is, how are you going to make this not just be a niche programmer thing? And uh, yeah, well, I think the answer to that is niche programmer turns out to be a pretty big business. <laughs> like programming, like software, is the building block of a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and. I mean, I'm comfortable with the idea that we have this one enormous website that has become almost like a Wikipedia on the internet that dominant. And I don't know if we'll ever have another one. But actually, I'm kind of okay with that. I think we want to continue to push out the edges of the network because it's a matter of balance. You don't want to be just a programmer. You want to learn about a lot of disciplines. That's actually how you become a better programmer. Learn multiple languages. Learn how to do UI. Learn some sysadmin stuff. Learn your craft. Learn all the things around your craft. You know, this is part of what just being a good programmer yeah. means how to, how to learning write, all that how to stuff. Start a business. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. All that stuff. All that stuff. And uh, when I was talking to David about the gaming side, I was like, wow, I don't know if I would ever see the gaming side becoming the Wikipedia of gaming. However, I think it is a realistic goal for all the other sites, <laughs> uh, maybe to become as big as Stack Overflow if they can. But if not, then be in the top five resources for that particular topic on the internet. And I think we've made serious headway on some of these topics in, in that regard. You could credibly say, like our WordPress Q&A site is probably one of your top five resources yeah, if you do two. WordPress. Uh, and, and the tech site is outstanding. The Mathematica yeah, site is outstanding. Um, there's yeah. all these real gems um, that can make it to that top five list. Um, and the ones that don't, I mean, it's not like Joel and I are very strict about this. We're not going to put pages on the internet that are a ghost towns, or b making the internet right. if, worse. If, than uh, better. Basically, my rule so, is: if you would be sad if you landed on one of our pages from a Google search because it didn't help you, didn't answer your question, was just kind of a false result, then we need to get rid of that page. And if we have a site full of them, where you know usually it's a case of not enough people and they're not expert enough, uh, then well, then we should actually remove it. Yes. We're not shy about saying, look, if it doesn't meet our mission, then we have to actually do away with it. Because too often, you kill them with kindness. You know, it's like, oh, this is kind of off topic, but we'll allow it because, yeah, you know, what's small harm. Community. And the it answer is all that, the help we can get. Fine. Go ahead. Ask simple questions. Yeah, and that works to a degree, but like the blog post, one of the final blog posts I wanted to write, I got up today about the guessing game questions, where the defense of these questions was that, okay, these are small growing communities. They need these guessing game questions to develop enough community to survive. And that's true insofar as it goes, but then we've also seen that this type of question is very dominant, like because it's kind of the wrong kind of fun. <laughs> um, and it also kind of kind of tends to trap users like if, if i ended up on a you know what was what's this book about the mouse with the red jacket like this is an actual question that got, that got asked on literature um i would be sad because I, I i can't imagine me typing keywords into google or or bing or whatever and ending up on that page and saying oh yes this is exactly the book with the red the mouse with the red jacket well, that i was thinking of you know thank you yeah. stack exchange uh, so i disagree with you on that one but that's okay <laughs> You get the final word. On. <laughs> well, I disagree with you because I think you will go to Google and type, what is a book with a mouse on the red, in the red jacket? And if we have the answer to that, then you'll be like, thank you, Internet, for finding me that book that I wanted to find that I couldn't remember the name of it. Yeah, I don't know. We haven't seen that, though. Like, there was three duplicate questions about yeah, one game, those one aren't gaming. Dupes, but those aren't dupes. They're different questions that resolve in the same, to the same question. One of them was asking about flying islands, and the other was asking about floating cities. So flying islands and floating cities are just different things that you might have used to describe something. You could be typing floating cities into Google, 
because you want to find that game again so you can play it. I assume. And now people are just doing this because it's fun. That's that's one thing. But I think they are actually doing it because they're trying to find the game so that they can play it again. Maybe not. I, I, well, yeah, we'll let the community have the final word. I just put my position statement out there on like why I think they're ultimately harmful. But a lot of the defenses of that revolve around, oh, you know, as, it's doing no and it was funny because the parenthetical was always, as long as they're not the biggest tag on the site. But what we've seen is they quickly become the biggest tag the other, on Well, the other real sites. question is, are they driving because they're, the experts they're crazy to the experts? Um, uh, are, they, are, they, are the experts uh, um, actively repelled by these questions? And when they, will they leave because they see this, the conversation? Maybe they'll say, you know, the conversation here is too stupid. <laughs> it's kind of too low a level. And there's too much of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I just bring that up as, as an example. That's not the, the, the final word by any means. Uh, feel free to read the blog post and consider it. Um, but I do think it, there's, in my opinion, it's, it's dangerous. Uh, not, not to the point that it's, you know, killing sites, but I don't like that it's dominating some of our newer sites. Like this is pretty much the first yeah. or second or these, third. These sites, I don't know about getting some of these sites are really, we'll, we'll probably, I, I guess I shouldn't really leak this, but I'm pretty sure we're going to, there's about 10 sites that are kind of actively harming the internet by just not having a large enough community, not getting good enough answers. They get sort of basic answers. Not enough people there care about them. Um, and I'm not kind of shy about, about closing them. Uh, if, because I just look at, if you go to askvel.com and go to the math section of askvel, if you were a mathematician, if you just look at those stupid questions that are on the math section of, yeah, I'm gonna do it right now, askvel.com. I wonder if it's math.askvel.com. That'd be too much to ask. Uh, nope, no such thing. Askville.com. Uh, um, uh, here, categories. Uh, where is it? Oh, there's science. This math is a science. Sure. Uh, math. Okay, here's what's here. Uh, a die is tossed three times. What is the probability that all three numbers are different? The mean is 15.2 and the standard deviation is 4. Find the probability that X is greater than 17. So these are all homework questions. Find the probability that four randomly selected people all have the same birthday. It's just homework, 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 homework. Where is Lee Euler? I would like to interview him. How is ratio calculated? Two grade, I need help with my homework. Can you heple me? Heple me? Help, I guess. <laughs> is there no homework day? Heple. Uh, proof that food lovers' fat loss will work. That's been there for two days and nobody has deleted it. Like there's nobody model BLC Emerson TV. Nobody there's this there's spam on here. This is spam from a week ago. There's a question on here. Okay, this is from eight days ago. My girlfriend broke up with me. She wanted me to show ambition. She needs space. I didn't give it. Now she resents me. That's on their math site. So if you cared about math, if you were a real math person that cared about math in the least, and you saw the math homepage of Askville.com, would you ever, ever, ever join that site? Like you would never wouldn't even dream you mm -hmm. like there is just a way to make a repulsive uh front page <laughs> uh, uh that's going right. to drive away every single person that can well, answer this is one advantage of well one advantage of the reddit system is they kind of hide right. all the badness you know because on reddit for it even to show up it has to have a certain amount of velocity so a bunch of stuff just goes into a holding pool this you know begs the question of like how does the stuff in the holding pool get vetted right, right. <laughs> who does that work um but that is one strength of that system. Uh, but but I'm a, the the linear flat like as you ask a question, it goes in on the top of the stack. Is a very simple, understandable model. But it does require, as you point out, some pretty strict moderation about if bad stuff gets in the system, it shows up immediately, which is good because we're shining light on badness, right? But if nothing happens, if you shine light on badness and it just kind of sits even, there, I have, <laughs> that sends a really yeah. dangerous message to the community of oh, there's, there's, there's no there's law actual here. Spam from eight days ago. 
Um, anyway, sorry, didn't mean to make fun oh. of askville.com. Uh, oh. There must not be. That's a case. Okay. <laughs> they, no they will. They <laughs> will. That's, <laughs> That's the sad part. That's the truly sad so part is these sites are really – it's not like you know we joke that we well let's talk about our original mission to you know get rid of experts exchange and we're not really talking about get rid of experts exchange all we really want right. to do is displace them and we have totally done that I mean can you even remember the last time you got an experts exchange result yeah. in your searches oh, uh, I, yeah I can't so in that sense like our primary mission has been accomplished for yeah. like a year and a half and then the you know it's like great. well what do we do next we slay <laughs> slay out. the dragon all right our number one user of all time John Skeet. And I'm gonna. He's got a message for you. Hi, Jeff. John Skeet here. Just wanting to say a big thank you for everything you've done with Stack Overflow over the years. I joined Stack Overflow in September 2008, and I haven't looked back since. I knew from newsgroup experience that this would be somewhere I could do well, and the constant focus on ease of use makes a huge difference. These days, if I go to anywhere which either doesn't use something like Markdown or doesn't give you a preview of the formatted version, it feels extremely primitive. Obviously, Stack Overflow has made a massive difference in my life. As an author and a blogger, it's given me more insight into what confuses other developers. And as a writer in general, it's given me somewhere to practice and get feedback. Communication is incredibly important, as I know you're aware. As a tinkerer, it's given me somewhere to learn more about a huge range of topics and play with technologies I'd never have used otherwise. Just for one quick example of that, a couple of months ago I downloaded and installed Postgres on my laptop solely because someone had a question about its time zone handling. With questions in siloed sites, I'd never have even seen that. But with Stack Overflow, it's all there, just waiting to be discovered. And then there's the bizarre reputation that Stack Overflow's given me. I wasn't exactly a recluse before Stack Overflow, but it certainly brought a huge set of opportunities for speaking and interacting with other developers. So thanks again for that. I'm still half dreading the day when the world suddenly wakes up and realises that I'm far from special. But until then, I'll just stay grateful to you for the Stack Overflow effect. I hope you have a whale of the time with the twins. I can assure you from experience that it does get easier, at least to some extent. Certainly the nights get better over time. I wouldn't like to bet that you'll be refreshed in six months' time, but I'm sure it'll be a fabulous experience anyway. And I look forward to seeing where your next adventure takes you. Oh, that was very nice. So, um, you know, John Skeet always comes up as sort of the canonical <laughs> stack user, and we always try to resist this because we know that what, what he's accomplished on, on uh, Stack Overflow is not something that normal people should actually be striving for. And we don't want people to be disappointed that they're not achieving John Skeet-like levels of uh, outrageous uh, uh, participation on the site. Uh, but nevertheless, um, he has written, uh, a, what was it, 200 answers? No, just kidding. Let's, let's count his answers. <laughs> <laughs> just three. Really, just three really good answers. answers. They are the uh, best answers. It's, is it more than 10,000 answers? 20,000. 20,639 oh. answers that he's written. And 31 questions, to be fair, but 20,000 questions. Uh, answers. Um, answers. <laughs> he, I asked him about this once. He said, uh, and yeah. this, he was on the podcast, he told us that he's got a long commute on the train to work from Reading to uh, um, to London, where he, to Google London, where he works Google. And, and, yeah. uh, and he uh, uses that time, and pretty much that's it, to answer questions. And it's also a testament to the, what our principle of sort of bite size or fun size units of work. You know, you're supposed to be able to just take five or ten minutes, find something that you know yeah. that you're interested in, and be able to just quickly zap in an answer and make it yeah. really quick, really fast, really easy to do this. Really right. reduce the friction. And then you wake up one day and you're John Skeet, right? Like you've yeah. spent <laughs> a lot of time on the site, but the time that you spend on the site was time spent learning. This is not 
entertainment. This is some aspects of aspects of entertainment mixed in with a strong dose of learning. You're doing this because you want to learn to be better. And then it's it's fantastic that John Skeet has become known for this. He's become relatively internet famous for being such a prolific and helpful right. Stack Overflow participant. So all the benefit of this flows really back to John uh, and the community, right? Like it's this big virtuous circle. It's not like we've captured John Skeet, right. you know, mission it's not accomplished. Like he's brain somewhere in a, in a uh, jar and we're just sucking it dry. He's actually, every time you ask a question, he... <laughs> Um, it's not that he knows the answer. Sometimes he does just know the answer and he types it. Sometimes he actually goes and does a little research and then answers it based on the research that he does. And that's one of the important things that people don't get is that um, to answer a question correctly on Stack, which is what we actually reward, you probably have to tr test your answer a little bit first. You got to try it. You can't just rely on your memory because this is this is difficult stuff. You got to you got to burst out the old VB 6.0 compiler. Yeah, ideally you do a little bit of research, or as I like to call it, science. Not a lot. I mean, because again, right. fun size units of work. We're not asking you to write right. full blog posts. I mean, that was the big friction thing that I saw. Everybody should be a blogger, and of course nobody is because it's a friggin' frick ton of work, right? Like you got to sit down and think about what to write. You got to write many, many paragraphs that make sense yeah. and are coherent. We, also, we always talk. Uh, but this is yeah. blogging. And we always small, talk about separating you know? out the. The first person may just dash out a quick answer based on memory. Somebody else may come actually embellish that and actually do some testing and, and earn some points for that as well. So you get a quick answer, but then you get a more in-depth answer, and everybody is doing a small amount of work. You know, one person is, you know, basically taking somebody else's idea for how to solve this problem, uh, and um, uh, you know, translating that into a more complete answer. Yes, totally. Now, one thing we did kind of fail at, but in my defense, this is a really hard problem, the idea that everybody edits the same answer and that you would get some sort of proportional credit for your edit. We looked at this early on and decided it was just like crazily difficult to sort of yeah. attribute yeah, attribute rep based on like what kind of edit it was, the size of the edit, the, the, the substantiveness of the edit. Um, I don't know. We just kind of discarded it early on. It's like, this well, is just way too hard. Also, the community, so what you may the see community is, didn't want other people get getting the credit or taking their answer and then sort of somehow, you know, writing over it. Like they really felt like they owned their, their, their words that they had typed and they didn't like other people coming along editing them. I, I, I mean, not completely, not a hundred percent of course, but there was some resistance. The original idea was that this would be wiki, wiki like it would be reasonably anonymous. One person would write an answer and then other people would come in and edit it and embellish it. And a third person might summarize four other answers and earn all the reputation because they had an awesome summary. Yeah, and that, that just sociologically turned out to be difficult for the reasons you point out. But also from a software perspective, very, very difficult to come up with a system that makes sense there. So we kind of defaulted the system we have. I mean, it was working. Yeah. We knew that it was working. And people were getting great answers, so it wasn't like harming the site. But it was a bit of a hard sell for people to come and say, look, you know, you can actually – it's okay to edit someone else's post. There's a lot of, you know – inability to sort of get past, oh, that's someone else's writing. It's sacrosanct. Right. I can't touch that. You know, that's their post. They'll be annoyed right. if I go in and change it. Um, that's a sort of a difficult thing to get past yeah, for that, a lot of that people. That would have been a big change. And um, it was easier so just to add your own post uh, at the bottom or add your own answer. One thing I do want to mention is I, I feel like we're almost at version 3.0 of, of, of the core engine. Uh, the last feature it has to do with editing this is why i thought of this the one sort of remaining feature we the idea we had at the very very beginning was even anonymous users could submit edits to posts uh when we were developing stack overflow back mm -hmm. in 2008 2009 i couldn't really figure out a way to do this that wasn't crazy and or really hard so we kind of punted on that so i kind of view like 1.0 was us shipping this was not that long ago actually 
what we call suggested edits, where anonymous users can come in and right. click edit, uh, and then the edit goes in for peer approval uh, and all that stuff. Um, but we're pretty rapidly getting. I think we're on 2.0 now of the software <laughs> and getting to 3.0. So it's, it's it's quite polished. Like I'm really happy with where we are from a software perspective. I know you always said, you know, I thought you'd be done with the engine, and to me, software is never really done, particularly when you're you're building it with the community, right? They're always you're always figuring new things out that you didn't know. Uh, and that's why you have to grow the software in various areas. But I, I feel like we have a pretty robust system. Not that there's plenty of work to do in the future, um, but I'm, you know, I'm really proud of of yeah. where we are. And and I think uh, people were sometimes worried. Like I would talk to people, it's like, oh no, you're not going to be at Stack Exchange. Is this bad for Stack Exchange? And I said, no, no, no. You have to understand. First of all, the team is awesome. I mean, that's a given. And then second, like we're so far ahead, in my opinion. I mean, again, this is totally tooting your horn, but I don't think anybody is doing what we're doing in the way that we're doing it. Like we figured out things that are, I think we're three to maybe even four years ahead of everybody else in terms of yeah. community building. Like we could do nothing for three years and still have an amazing right, right. system. <laughs> Not that we would do that, but we, we, we went really fast. Like we got really, yeah. really far out ahead. And we have and a I'm, very I'm strong network effect. So essentially if you have a question, you're going to ask it on Stack Overflow. You, so incumbents are going to have a lot of trouble unless they can really leap ahead of, ahead of us. So I think this is sort of a done deal for, the, for a while. The one thing I am a little bit, I've always been a little bit concerned about is that one of the problems we were trying to solve is the out-of-date information uh, gets on the internet. Yes, that is going to be increasingly a problem. Like that needs to be looked at. We, we had a quality problem for a while. And I think we, we instituted some systems that help with that that I can't actually talk about because of the nature of the <laughs> systems. Uh, but they helped a lot in sort of screening out some of the, the problem stuff that was getting into the system. Uh, but it is true, because I was going back, uh, let me give you uh, a, a specific example. I was looking at, um, oh gosh, it was about HTTPS, because I was doing all the research about um, uh, secure HTTP connections. And one of the questions that was on Stack Overflow, this is from like 2008, was do browsers cache HTTPS mm -hmm. content? And it was a pretty good question, but it had a lot of noise because older versions of browsers, really old versions, didn't actually do this. Like if you went back yeah. in time to 2008, there were some browsers that wouldn't cache a, you know, encrypted content, which obviously is hugely crippling right. for performance. Um, and I, it took a lot of work for me to go in and sort of clean up that question, add another answer, edit the answers that were there. And you do wonder, it's like, who's really doing right. that work? Right. Who's maintaining these questions that are, you know, it's easy for us to be the new guy on the block and say, yeah, we have right. all the great new information. But like, yeah, it's been almost four years now. It's Some of this information is getting yep. kind of yep. out of date. Yeah. Well, to be in, in its defense, Joel, it did have the correct answer sort of as the accepted answer, but it wasn't like yeah. crystal clear. There you know, was it a could lot have been money. much clearer um, that, look, this is no longer an issue. Do not even think about this. All browsers cache. HTTPS content. Don't this even is really worry about it. a question of uh, right. Google, which tends to grant higher page rank to older pages, uh, where, where what you need here is often the opposite. Well, I guess over time, there's two things. One, I blogged about the greatest hits page, which I think is important because it represents sort of the most popular thousand questions on your site. Now, for Stack Overflow, that doesn't even begin right. to cover. <laughs> there's so many popular questions. Just this this idea that whenever you arrive on a question, it's completely okay to go in and just edit the crap out of it, right? Just go clean it up. If there's something wrong with it, uh, go in and, yeah. and clean it up and, and bring it up to date. Now, the incentives aren't really there, though, right? Like if you go in and edit, you don't really get any reps for that. I mean, I could add a new answer, which I've done sometimes, which contains new information. That's certainly helpful, and you will get rep for that. So please do that. If you come, if you arrive to a question, it's old and out of date, and you want to, you don't feel like editing it, but you feel like adding an answer. Please do that. That still makes it better, and people will vote that up. But this this idea that going in and just editing everything, we don't really have all the best incentives for that yet. 
and we're going you know, to need to get more, is we have more. Is it's a great way to earn your initial reputation as a new user on the site. Um, you can earn a lot of reputation by proposing edits that get accepted. Yeah, and so a lot of users do that. Um, my only objection there is, again, there's, there's this impulse where people go in and just fix this one tiny, tiny thing when there's like five glaring yeah. errors in the post. Well, then five that <laughs> I don't know why that I, is, Joel. They, you know, that, 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 that's, you, you've extracted a nugget of work from them and then go extract another nugget out of someone else. They just ran out of patience. I mean, I've done them to be more patient, but yeah, if I can I extract some useful work out of somebody and then extract another tiny nugget out of the next person that comes along, uh, you know, as long as it's getting better each time. Yeah, I guess. But each one has to be approved. There's a cost, right? I mean, there's a community cost yeah. those edits at that level because somebody has to peer review oh, it. It's like you're taking my time like, to look at the thing. You, 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 you approve those in a millionth of a second. It's, if it's just like, you know, putting, separating a colon with a space or whatever, you know. I'm like, going to time you because I don't think it takes a millionth <laughs> of a second. Um, the, uh, uh, pr probably, although John Skeet is our number one user, probably the user that we have who is – Still a very big user, but is also a little bit famous is Eric Lippert, um, who is, um, I guess, the lead designer of C Sharp right now. Is that is that fair to describe him as that? It's obviously he's certainly, if not the lead, knows a lot <laughs> yeah, about it. I think it. he's a designer of uh, C Sharp right now, and and he's also uh, um, before that uh, VB did VB script and JavaScript and all the scripting engines inside uh, Microsoft, and just has unbelievably deep knowledge of the arcana of, of compilers. Eric. Yeah. Hey, Jeff. I'd just like to tell you three things. One is congratulations on your latest successful reproduction. Uh, two is thank you so much for building a wonderful website where I can interact with my customers in such a fabulous way. And the third thing is, why is there no markup that allows me to change the text to purple? Uh, I could really use that. <laughs> purple, huh? <laughs> That's awesome. That a... Well, because his blog on MSDN, which is excellent. He's a great, great writer. That's one of the reasons he's so good. He's just he's one of the rare few that's like a very, very, very good technically, brilliant technically, and also an outstanding writer. So sort of a killer one-two punch. But for some reason, he likes to write his blog in purple. And I've heard from people at Microsoft, all his emails are in purple as well, <laughs> in this particular font as well. Um, it's just a quirk of Eric Lippert, you know, and, and you know, that's okay. <laughs> uh, we, we tolerate it because Maybe Eric's a brilliant uh, that's guy. Just a, that's uh, just an awesome, awesome April Fool's feature to implement on April 1st. Yeah. And perhaps just for Eric, his that would text. be funny. If his everything was in purple, that would be, purple. Purple. That, would be yeah. that would be brilliant. That would be fantastic. <laughs> kind of, kind of one person so specific. Would appreciate but still that, awesome. and he deserves it. But um, what I thought was interesting about what he was saying is that he said, "Thanks for giving me a great way to interact with my customers," and that was um, something that we always sort of pushed: is that you know these are these are ways for people that are working on dev tools to talk to developers and 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 see what trouble they're having and, and fix it and, and help them. And there was a great example I already got excited about about a month ago where they actually, you know, as a result of a conversation on Stack Overflow, decided to finally change something that was just broken in C Sharp, which was a, what they call a breaking change, meaning old code would now have different behavior uh, as a result of this change, which is something a compiler writer very rarely uh, is willing to do. So the fact that he's sort of seeing this as an interesting way to um, kind of talk to the people that are using his products is is one of the things that makes it so awesome. Oh, yeah. And certainly we love, I mean, we're supposed to be about experts. I mean, who is more of an expert than, than you know, Mr. Lippert, who works on the core C-sharp engine, right? He's the He's 
the, the Pope yeah. of C sharp, right? This is, I mean, the fact that we're able to attract users like, you know, Eric and uh, uh, John and all of the other really high rep users always to me was a measure of success. Like, are you attracting the right audience? In other words, true experts and also just people that know yeah. what the hell they're doing. And I think we had that from very, very early on. And that's something we certainly try to do with all the Stack Exchange 2.0 science is get legitimate experts somehow uh, to, to help lead those sites. Um, yep. Uh, so that brings us to today. Any, any last words before I've got, I've got one last thing queued up, um, from Jared Dixon, but I thought I'd give you kind of a, I'll, I'll let him take us out. Well, we did have, we did have, uh, one oh, yeah. from Jen. Sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll read that. <laughs> he, uh, Jen likes to refer to me as his, uh, high expectations, Asian father. He never had because I was always sort of <laughs> nagging him about design. And, you know, Jen and I have known each other for a long time. So I would communicate with him in a very informal way, uh, that 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 he understood um but i also saw on twitter that jen said that he felt like i had made him a better designer and i thought that was a tremendous uh, compliment and a very nice thing to say and you know jen's work is amazing and I'm, I'm really happy that i was able to pull along people that i knew that were just really amazingly yeah. talented people um that were just under represented in the world you know like they're really good but nobody could see it except me you know and, and i was like well come with me on this adventure and We'll make you awesome, right? Like we'll give you, you know, Jen said he's done more design work in the last year than he did like his entire career. And it's amazing work, right? That's in the public and is totally associated with not just us, yeah. but Jen. Like Jen gets the credit for a lot yeah. of that. So, and that's actually one of the interesting, the idea that yeah, uh, we're, 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 we're digging up these uh, diamonds in the rough, so to speak. You know, one of the reasons that people participate in Stack Overflow, uh, to be honest, is that they're insufficiently challenged in their day job. Uh, you know, they have a crappy programming job and, yes. and that's why the careers thing is so elegant but if you look at the stack overflow users page which, which now shows at some point we made a little change there and decided to show your location on that page um and the, the top users uh, at any given time that that the you look at their locations it's amazing because there's almost nothing in the traditional dev places right there's, there's people in france there's a guy in curacao there's a bunch of people in the uk uh los angeles madison wisconsin netherlands united states right now there i don't think there's anybody on the home page in silicon valley zero well and that sort of uh that sort of says something about uh you know the fact that we're really getting these people that are out there kind of in places that are considered, I don't want to be rude to these places or to our users, but they're not exactly centers of software development in most cases. And, uh, um, and, and, yet, and, and so those are the people who find their community of software developers on the internet because they don't really have it at work or in their real life. And, uh, and those are the people that we have the best opportunity, I think, to get them to move them up from just being kind of a rote programmer doing some boring insurance application into something actually exciting that will change the world. Uh, and that's essentially what Stack Overflow is all about. Yeah, absolutely it is. And, you know, I've always felt that it's, you know, the brain in the jar of future. It's like your your location shouldn't determine everything sure. that happens to you in life. You know, the world should beat a path. The world, yeah. if you're really good, the world yeah. should beat a path to your door, uh, really. Well, And, I mean, I saw this with Coding Horror where I was just, you know, some guy writing a blog and all these things started <laughs> happening for me. And, and I, I really did want to unlock that for other people, you know, that didn't necessarily want to go start a full right. board blog. But they can go do these fun size units of work on Stack Overflow and get all the credit for it and, and you know, have a great career and yep. do stuff that they love. I mean, it was really, and I kind of wrote about this as like tricking them into doing the right thing, but really that was the case. You know, I wanted to build the incentive system in such a way that they're doing things that are really healthy for them uh, 
and it, and it, it doesn't feel like work. Right. You know, it feels like fun. Yeah. Um, okay. Any last, uh, last thoughts? This is the very end. This is to the people that are listening. This is the final Dun 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 podcast with Jeff and Joel uh, for a while. Yeah, the final Can't podcast. Which, well, the podcast can go on. I mean, just because yeah. I'm not on, you could do some. I mean, I don't know what that will be. I'm sure you will let everyone know. I don't want to make it sound like, you know, because I'm, I'm not here, there will never will. be a podcast. That's not the case. <laughs> I want to <get, laughs> see if, uh, what's his name? Soupy, soupy Sales. sales Joel. Soupy, it's soupy Sales. sales available. Is He's he? actually dead, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, he is. He died a few years ago. It's funny. He has a Twitter account. It's, he has a Twitter account that's that's kind of creepy because it <laughs> he goes was, up he till was when kind he of died. A guy to begin with, actually, but he was funny. Yeah, yeah. he was a character. He would have been he fun on the podcast yes, for sure. He would have been better on the podcast than me. Last thoughts? Well, he better than. <laughs> uh, no, last thoughts. Just you know, the babies okay. are doing great. Uh, Maisie and June are, are fantastic. They're wow. almost a month old, doing the thing that new babies Waking do. Up. You know, crying a lot and eating. I have a question. Do they wake up at the same time in the middle of the night, or is it like? Twice as many middle of the night wake ups. Well, you try like hell for twins. You try to get them on the same schedule because the idea that you have two right. babies on different schedules is not just acceptable. not worth I know. thinking I know. about. Yeah. You really don't want that. So we do everything we can to sort of keep them in sync and make sure they stay in sync. Uh, sometimes they get a little off, but they generally. So if you're like putting food okay. in them at the same exact the time, same. essentially, I guess that's where it's at. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's relief. Exactly. And, uh, you know, our existing son, Henry, who's on Obu 3 in uh, like two weeks, has been pretty cool with the babies and, you know, has wanted to hold them and cool. touch them and love them. So he's I, I think older well brothers are, are better with younger, younger sisters, right, than the other way around. I don't know. I've heard that. I, I didn't know the situation, but I've heard that expressed a few times that it's actually nice for, for girls to yeah, have an older brother. Like, brothers, it's, will it's just get, brothers will just fight and they'll hate each other the end of that that's the best that can happen <sighs> yeah all right yeah but i'm also excited that's girls i do want to have the the boy and girl experience because it is rather rather different even at an early age you see there's just massive differences yeah, between yeah. The sexes the boys really are just like banging rocks together and the girls are like oh i'm playing <laughs> quietly in the corner and this is a generalization sure. to be clear but it is generally true like if you observe children 80 percent of the time this yeah. is what you're going to see happening that so. is clearly socially constructed behavior it it's so hard to tell, but man, yeah, there's no way. To know. There's a big difference between the sexes very early. All right, that's it. Well, I'll let uh, Jared uh, Dixon take us. Jared was the first person that you hired, um, and and then and Jeff really right away after that, right? Uh, yeah. Yep, so it two. was basically for the longest time. It was uh, Jeff, Jeff, and Jared were the uh, were the whole company. At one point, you know, Stack Exchange uh, 1.0 was all inside Fog Creek at the beginning, and. I remember when we had the first meeting that you guys came to visit right before you were supposed to arrive, three black helicopters flew up the Hudson River. <laughs> Somebody turned to me and said, is that Jeff, Jeff, and Jared? <laughs> like, not only are you coming to the company summit, but you're coming in individual helicopters. Um, so uh, take it away, Jared. So I first worked with Jeff back in 2003, and our coworkers immediately noticed we were very similar and some of our peculiarities, you know, they were like, look at them. They really like computers. Hmm. And it was true. Like, I've, I've never met anyone as passionate about computers or, and software development as Jeff. I mean, this guy had, he had like three monitors back in 2003. It was like, oh, wow. 
and the inevitable bromance formed. Oh, but then he moved away. So when in 2008, I get a call from Jeff saying, come build this website with me. It's going to be awesome. It's like, how can, how can you refuse that? And awesome pretty much sums up the past four years of working on Stack Overflow. I mean, we've, we've created a place for our fellow devs to come and help each other and to share their knowledge. And it's been, it's been the most rewarding experience of my entire life so far. Jeffrey, I am so proud of what you and our community have accomplished. And I've, I'm so honored that you actually invited me along on, on this adventure of yours. Thank you. Uh, I should be thanking Jared. Jared's great. He did it all. All right. Yeah, early on, I mean, I remember Jared telling me when the, when they came out that I was leaving internally a little bit before the public announcement. He said, you know, I, the happiest I've been uh, in recent memory was when it was just you, me, and Jeff just, you know, working away long hours on the site, just doing our thing. And I have to agree, there's that feeling. Somebody asked me, like, um, when did you feel you were successful? When did you feel that you had really made it? And for me, it was, you know, writing that blog post about choosing your own mm -hmm. adventure. Like the right decisions are always a little scary. And I think, you know, this fits. This is a scary decision to leave the thing that I love so much, but it, it kind of has to be the right decision because it's scary. You know, you, to give up the thing that you love and let it, have, let it have its own life, let it carry on without you, without being in the shadow of Jeff Atwood, always Jeff Atwood's thing, like to let it, to, to let it have a life of its own. So, and then for me to go on and do yeah. something else, you know, I mean, it's in a really good place. Um, but that decision to, to, to work on Stack Overflow felt the same way. It's like, wow, I'm quitting my job. That's scary. You know, I'm building this website. I don't even know if it's going to work. That's scary. I'm working with Jared and Jeff. I don't know if any of this is going to work. <laughs> uh, but that, that, that's my advice to people when you're making decisions like that or important decisions. Like, try to make the ones that scare you a little bit because those are generally the right ones. If, if it's not scary, then it's just it's too safe. You know, it's like you're not really pushing out on the boundaries of what you need to do in your life. And uh, I would really encourage people to, you know, take some risks, particularly when you're young. Maybe not when you have three kids like me. <laughs> Not necessarily at that point, but particularly earlier on in your life when you don't have as many commitments. It's like, you know, try to make those risky decisions that feel a little scary and, and see where they go. And, you know, I feel very fortunate to have one of those decisions ending up in Stack Overflow and Stack Exchange is, you know, I'm, I'm honored to have been a part of it and happy to have worked with everybody and created this amazing thing. Very few people get that chance, so I feel very fortunate.